Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me prolific and award-winning author, Steve Ponziz. Steve, I'm so glad you're able to make it um, on, the, on the show today. And go ahead and introduce yourself, um, and we'll talk about some of the books that you've written. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me on the show. really appreciate it. Yeah, Steve Ponziz. Uh, I've been been writing since I was a little wee lad, and uh, I finally got published, I don't know, in my, in my 30s and then some more in my 40s. So I've been uh, been doing this a little while now. So um, science fiction and fantasy author, I love both genres. So I love them equally, actually. But um, these days I'm writing mostly fantasy, and I have a series that uh, is out and uh book four just came out uh this week by the way uh so it's a young adult epic fantasy series called light of darkness and i you know i, I love token growing up so it's kind of got some of those token token vibes but it's also uh very much a uh meant for young adult uh audience so all ages and so i got nine books written and uh four fourth one just came out so pretty excited about that. That's awesome. I'm going to mention the books. Uh, first off, I want to mention when I said award winning author, you won uh, 2015 Rise of the Future Award. Now, those people who don't know what that is, it's the largest uh, short story competition in the world. And you were uh, one of those winners, uh, which is fantastic. Now, I want to hold up your book. So this is book one uh, of the the light of darkness series, uh, the dark that begins. This is, this is a fantastic book. I, you, you were able to give me a copy at 20 books to 50 K, um, read that I'm excited. And then the fourth book that came out, which you just said this week, um, the dark, that no, the dark that, uh, usurps, which came out February 18th. So you, you've written four books or you've released four books. You have nine books written. You said, how has that, um, rapid release because this book i think came out last april or something like that like it's been less right. than that less than a year um what was some of the strategies for that and what would be your advice to somebody who wants to replicate it yeah so the the original advice that i got uh, I, I so i go annually to uh superstars writing seminar and so uh new york times best-selling author kevin j anderson and his wife rebecca and some other founders um of that um conference they 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 have an annual conference in uh colorado springs just went there uh in uh earlier in the month and so they um they have different guests that come on that talk about traditional publishing that talk about independent publishing and so when i was going there uh several years ago uh i was inspired by a gentleman named michael Anderley who started the 20 books to 50 K with Craig Martell. And so I, uh, I was in one session and Michael was talking about this concept of rapid release. If you're an independent author and you're, you're able to uh, publish at the rate that you're, you're able, uh, he talked about a strategy called rapid release. And back then, this is like three, uh, three years ago, uh, back then, uh, the, the recommendation was one book uh, per month. So that way, if you were publishing with uh, Amazon, that the, uh, the first 30 days, you're the uh, new, new book release. And so it get special, special boost. So if you kept releasing once a month, 
and you kept hitting in your series that special boost and that was the theory to, to keep the uh the the interest high to keep the algorithm going to get you uh get you a higher sales rank and more sales so i really i really liked that idea and at the time i didn't have i didn't have uh, my series written i had short stories novellas that were published and so i asked michael i asked him i said well what can i do that with my short fiction he said yeah you would probably want to get a get a newsletter going there and get some people um, following you, but yeah, you could give it a try. So I did that. I did that with uh, about 30 titles that I have that are short science fiction and fantasy short stories and novellas. You could do that on Amazon. You could do those as individual eBooks. So I was publishing one, one per month and I was just getting the idea that, wow, I could indie publish. I learned the ropes. I could use that as I'm getting my my books and my series written and edited and and ready uh, for for publication. So I got the concept from him for for that. Now, um, when I did uh, start uh, the process for my my series, I had I had uh, one book fully edited and ready, and then uh, the second book was with my editor. But what I found out is that, you know, we were focusing really um, putting a spotlight on quality. And so with the quality and what I was looking to achieve with having just, you know, top-notch product that I could produce, that, you know, the once-a-month schedule really wasn't going to work out, especially working with my editor and taking it slow. So we ended up doing about once every three months now is when the uh, – when the, the books come out and that's fine. Uh, whether, you know, whether that 30 day golden period with Amazon exists anymore, I don't know. Uh, I didn't really notice it with my short fiction being that much of a uh, differentiator, but I think that, you know, just being able to have a series that's fully complete. Now I don't have to disappoint anybody. I have it completed. Um, and then fully written, now working through edits and publication, I can take, you know, whatever time it needs, but I'm doing it once every three months. And so uh, book four just came out. So book five will probably come out here, I don't know, sometime um, maybe close to June. And then uh, we'll go from there. That's awesome. And great advice. You already, already shared um, some words of wisdom. Um, I, I think one of the main things that I take away from this is not necessarily like the once a month thing, but you, you've been consistent. And I think that translates to, um, you know, credibility and, you know, fans know what to expect when they see what you've done so far and already, and, and, and as well as know that the books already, you know, the series is completed. Now you're just, you know, doing the the brush ups, the edits, the, you know, getting a package and, and you're focusing on quality, which I, I think was a, a key point that you brought up, uh, you know, a wonderful golden nugget is um, bringing up the quality and, and having quality product is important. You know, Michael Anderle, um, you know, he's done a great job with 20 books and he makes a, a great living with that, but he also puts out quality books. Um, if you're just putting out your, your first draft each month, I, I don't think that will cut it. You might gain some fine fans, but overall quality is, I think is key for, for that. So 
Um, thanks for, for what you shared so far. Let's go on and talk about the the two conferences that you mentioned, 20 Books to 50K, now Authors Nation, and Superstars. How has that helped your writing, and how has that helped your career so far? Well, as you mentioned, the uh, the award that I won, the Writers of the Future, that happened in, in 2015. And so the Kevin J. Anderson presented my award to me on stage, and I found out that he had this conference called Superstars. And so I signed up for the first one available, which was in 2016. So that's quite a quite a while back. And I've been going consecutively every year. And the value I find in this conference is twofold. One is the, the content is uh, top quality and it's oriented towards the business of writing. That's the focus. You know, how do you how do you get the tools to to put together for your career and success, whatever level you are, wherever you are within your career, if you're doing it as a hobby and you're thinking seriously, you know, where, where you are, uh, you can get good information for any, any level um, of your, of your career. And then the second part of the equation is the people. I find that the conference has very high quality attendees, high quality panelists, top, professionals in the field and the camaraderie of having writers getting together and talking about their craft, talking about the publication process, interacting with New York Times bestsellers. I mean, this is just, you know, and it's a small intimate group that's capped. I believe that uh, they, they're getting close to their cap. I think the cap is around 400 people, 400 attendees. So it's small, it's intimate, and you get to know everybody. And by coming back year after year, I have, you know, established some really good friendships. And, you know, the mentality is we are a tribe. We're, you know, we're together. Uh, the 20 books to 50K is, uh, you know, uh, rising tide lifts all boats. You know, same concept of having, you know, that networking and helping each other try to succeed and uh, do what we want to do in our careers. That's fantastic. Um and, and both the 20 books, the 50K and Superstars, it's it's not just traditionally published people going. It's um, indie published and traditionally published. And it doesn't, um, there's not like a, a looking down upon or, or anything on, on the chosen career path. So that's, you know, I haven't been to Superstars, but I know some of the people that I met at 20 books were, were going and they were indie and they, you know, they said I needed to go there. So hopefully next year, the year after I can go, but yeah, it's um, 20 books um, is the one I, that I was able to go to. And, you know, you, you know, that these people that, that go there are serious. It's not, you know, a $50 writing conference and it's not a day like it's you have to put some time and effort into to go into that. And that's everybody's kind of on the same page of, of going there to learn. And, and, and I find that for me, it's been really, really good. I mean, I met you at 20 books. Um, Moon, I've met uh, multiple times. Um, and it's just been fantastic. So you, you mentioned um, Writers of the Future again. Um, was How many times did you attempt, or was that your first time trying to, to put in? I, I love to hear people's um, uh, stories about, about this, because sometimes it's their first win, or like sometimes it's their 40th time they've put in, and, you know, and then they win. So I like this perseverance. Was it your first time, or was it multiple times? No, multiple times. Not as many as Wolf Moon. He, he probably <laughs> holds the record. But uh, – so the conference, or sorry, the contest is now in its 40th year. So 40 years, people have been winning the contest, 
and trying to win the contest. So year 25 of the contest is when I tried for the first time. I had a science fiction novella. I was really in love with the novella. I said, this is going to be win, you know, winning material, but no, it didn't. And so I've tried, I would say, uh, probably six times um, over the course of five years, six different times. And, you know, my final, my final effort, um, I had a uh, novella that I was, you know, I was saying, okay, I got some good feedback on it. I think this one has the right emotional um, depth that, that I was looking for. So I'm going to submit that. And that's the one that, that won. So that was year 31. So right now we're up to 40. So that's so almost a decade ago. Well, and what did you do to uh, hone your craft in um, in winning? Did you just keep practicing writing or did you go to classes? What did you do to hone your craft? Well, two things. One is the, to keep writing and to improve your craft. The other thing is to, so it's a, so Writers of Future produces an anthology each year. You have 12 winning stories and then they also have illustrators. So they have uh, illustrations in there. So the, the, the best way I believe um, to have a chance is to read the stories and to get a feel for all the variety and, you know, what is it about the story that really stands out? Try to capture some of those elements. You have to, you have to really hook the reader in the beginning, right in the middle of something. You have to have, you know, engaging characters. You have to have a plot that moves. It's got to be, you know, it's short form. So it's got to resolve itself um, in either a short story or up to a novella. And then uh, you have to have, you know, something that, you know, leaves the the reader uh, feeling satisfied. You want that, you want that to hit at the end. So if you can hit those different notes and keep it, you know, keep it, uh, um, you know, moving along and, and flowing correctly. And you have a chance, you have a chance. Absolutely. You know, it's just to have a, a unique story idea and, 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 and start working and then submitting, you could submit once a quarter and they take all the submissions and then they knock it down to eight finalists. And from those eight finalists, they have judges that pick the top three. So you have top three winners uh, for each quarter. And then you have your 12 for your annual anthology. And you also have this amazing, amazing uh, workshop that you get to go to in Hollywood, California. They, they'll fly you out. They'll put you up in a hotel. You get to work with uh, New York Times bestselling authors and industry professionals on a workshop week on, on craft. And also, what do you do afterwards in terms of you know, your, your professional career, they'll, they'll give you uh, good pointers on that. And then uh, the big uh, celebration is the gala, which they hold and it's televised worldwide. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive. It looks like uh, Academy Awards. You go on stage, do an acceptance speech and just, uh, it's just celebrate, uh, you know, that achievement. So there's no, I don't think there's any, anything like that anywhere on the planet. Even, you know, you had the, the Nebulas and Hugos, those are big celebrations. But for, uh, you know, for a short story and having that kind of amazing uh, attention and having somebody, you know, you know, meeting all these professionals and going on stage, I mean, this, that's, that's quite extraordinary. 
No, it sounds amazing. Hopefully one day I can do that. And there is a great photo of you at that event on your website. So if somebody wants to go see, you know, kind of a snapshot of what it looks like, you can see the background is at the podium, you know, you're holding your award and you're all dressed up in a tux. Like it's a, it's a big deal. So it's, uh, it sounds amazing. So, and, and that's awesome that you didn't give up after your first time. You know, you said that you really thought that the story was something, but it wasn't what they were looking for. I mean, it, and you, you kept uh, trying and, and you were persistent at it. So I got to give kudos for you. I mean, five years is a long time, six years is a long time to try for something, but you know, you did it. And now, you know, you're now you're putting out, you know, short stories. Like if you go on your website again, there's a list of, I don't know, a couple dozen, maybe three or four dozen of different short stories that you've done and you have a nine book series. So, and um, I forgot to mention that uh, on your website, it says you have two science fiction novels uh, that are forthcoming as well. So there's yeah. big things happening. Yeah. Those two, the two novels that I have there, they've already been written and edited. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a challenge when you decide to go the indie path of like, what, where do you put your focus and direction? Now, even though I have them written, uh, I, and I had, I had, uh, well, one with a uh, publisher for, for five years, oh, wow. uh, before they, they, they ended up, uh, not going with it, but, uh, that was for traditional publishing, but the, uh, you know, when you're, when you're indie publishing, you have to really think about the strategy of how you want to proceed. So if you're, you know, you pick your genre that, that works with you. Uh, work, works for you. And so for me, you know, it was science fiction and fantasy. And I got a chance to uh, to sit down with the late uh, Dave Farland, who uh, was a, co a coordinating judge in uh, New York Times bestseller. And we got to talk, and he were, I was talking about my science fiction novels, because at the time, that's where I was focusing. And he said, well, you also write fantasy. He said, that that's um, that's got a lot of, uh, a lot of power you know he was he was one of the people that helped uh, harry potter series uh, really take off so he's instrumental in that and he actually talked to me about you know my idea with my novels that i had written some some of the uh, material beforehand and we were deciding on my protagonist's age and he said you know 16 that's the magic number uh for 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 that so that's young adults and it'll appeal to uh, to adults as well who like good clean writing uh, or so you say clean, uh, clean prose, you know, no, nothing too, uh, too uh, objectionable. So uh, we were thinking, you know, with the strategy that, uh, you know, what Dave provided, I, I took that to heart. Uh, I went with the, the science fiction novels first. I didn't see that they were getting the, the traction that I want. So then I thought strategically, if I'm going to, to do this indie uh, route, I need to have a series. So why a series? Well, when you have one book and you publish it, you know, you need to be able to break out from the noise. There's lots and lots of uh, books. Uh, they're being published all the time. How do you separate yourself? Well, there's marketing, right? You, you build newsletter lists and, uh, you know, market uh, and, and make your, um, your people who read your you know, newsletter aware that you have a new book. But then there's also, you know, people who don't know you, and that's where advertising comes in. And that's the thing that really um, makes sense for you to have a series because, you know, with a lot of products 
out there. You know, if you go to Costco and you get the Costco chicken, it's five bucks, but it's a loss leader. They want you in the store and then you're in there and you got to go all the way to the back, you get the chicken and on the way back to the front to check out, you have all these other products. And before you know it, your shopping cart is full and they've achieved their <laughs> mission, right? Yes. A thousand dollars later. <laughs> yeah. So with a series, the idea is you're going to be advertising, you're going to be advertising on book one. That's the entry point into your series. You're going to lose money on book one, most likely, with your advertising. And you might even lose money on book two uh, just because of the cost. But if you have a series, you'd want to have at least three books. But the recommendation that I've heard is six books is a sweet spot. Or you could have more than that. Uh, just for the concept that if a reader picks up your book, there was an acquisition cost to get that reader with the advertising. And then there was an acquisition attempt with the other uh, readers out there that didn't buy your book. So you're at a loss. So then that reader really likes your book and they get book two and they find out you got book three, four, and five and six. Then at that point, you'll have somebody who was committing to the entire series if you have the books out. And then the you figure out the 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 revenue coming from that against your advertising costs, and that's where you start making your money. So you want that read through, and you want those readers who really love your your work. That's where quality is is paramount to to get you know somebody who's reading it, not finding all these mistakes, not like you know finding you know holes in your plot. You really have to you have to bring them to the end, satisfying conclusion in that book with enough of an interest for them to go on to the next book and then they buy your series. So, so when you're thinking about, you know, as an author going independent, you have to think about, you know, where, where do I focus and doing standalone books? Yeah. You could make a living off of that. You could get sales off of that, but really when everything I've heard and understood series are the way to go, that's where you get money. And then you could also take, uh, let's say, say my series is nine books, right? So that's nine individual products. Now, if I was traditionally publishing, most likely we would have a trilogy. They would be, you know, 180,000 words a piece, 200,000 words. And you have three of them. You so you're you're having more of those doorstopper um, type of books for traditional market. Well, if you can take those three books and make them a little bit smaller, maybe uh, have 100,000 words each. Uh, then you have, instead of three books, three products, now you have nine books, nine products. That's my thinking. And during um, the life cycle of your series, you can package up, you know, books one to three, put them up into a box set, offer that a real good discount, hook the readers, and then they could buy book four through, through nine. You could do that. And then eventually at the end, um, I see the authors doing omnibus editions, you know, a complete box set, the entire series. This is maybe when they've exhausted, you know, over the years, you know, the readership and they mm -hmm. want to get new readers. So box sets uh, are pretty profitable for, for those authors because, you know, readers will find out, oh, this is a complete series. It's written on the, on the, on the, uh, on the, on the cover, complete series. They'll invest, you know, whatever it is, uh, to to get that, and then now you're 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 making additional sales. So there's a lot you could do as an indie author in terms of your products and think of it as business. And if you just have one book, it's really 
makes it difficult. But when you have multiple books, you could do these different things and then you could turn a profit. That's fantastic. I hope anybody that's listening to this rewinds this and takes notes about what you just said, because that's a fantastic strategy um, to make it in a business like this if you want to go um, indie. So that that was a fantastic answer. So let's talk about uh, The Dark That Begins, nine, nine books. You have them written. Um, what was uh, the spark of the story? What was the genesis? How'd you come up with the the plot and the characters and stuff? Yeah, so this uh, comes back to my 20s. You know, I, I reached back in time and uh, I was, you know, I was drawing a lot back in my my early days. And one of the things that I fell in love with uh, with Lord of the Rings and other fantasy books were maps. I love the maps. And, you know, I would have the printed book. I would look at the map. I would read the story. I'd go back to the map. It just, you know, is wonderful, especially when you have a quest and your characters are going different places. You learn about the world. So I was designing some maps uh, back. Uh, I used to do Dungeons and Dragons and do maps. But then uh, I was saying, okay, I I wanted to, you know, develop a new world. I have some ideas of like, you know, different cultures and such. So I started drawing a map. And then I had to populate it. It's like mountain ranges and then cult, you know, where's where's the borders and and things like that. And from that, I got the ideas of like, okay, these two areas, they border each other. And these guys believe in God of light, and this these people believe in the God of darkness. They don't like each other. <laughs> so there's some tension right there. So that makes yeah. for some interesting story. So I got some ideas from that. And then my central character, uh, well, you know, Petra. Oh, there we go. There it is, Asia. So yeah, single continent, uh, in uh, in this world. So, yeah, my character, main character is Petra, and he's uh, he was fifteen uh, at the start of the story, and sixteen through the uh, the rest of the series. And so, I had I had written or had read a book. Uh, it was uh, Raymond E. Feist. He had Mag Magician Apprentice and then Magician Master. I think it was a Magician Master where the main character, also a young, young uh, gentleman, he uh, he was uh, in in another like a portal world and, and as a slave, and um, then grew in in uh, his abilities, the magic abilities, and it really inspired me. And I had some other authors, you know, besides Token, I had some other authors and their works inspire me. So Petra, you know, he he starts out as a slave. So I really I like that concept. He's a young, young, young person here. It has no memory. Woke up in a field uh, at 11 and then, you know, he was hungry. So he ate some food and then the owner of the property, um, you know, turned him in and they he got sold into slavery. So it starts off. You know he's 15. He's a slave, and then he has some people that are that are uh, with him, his cellmates, and then they plan this daring escape. And then, where do I go from there? You know, is the question because he doesn't know the world. He doesn't know anything about the world. So we begin a quest, and that's where it leads him to to uh, become a mage uh, apprentice. Because uh, you you remember in Lord of the Rings, there's this Strider, the Aragorn. Um, in the inn and the hobbits meet him 
and that was inspiring me. I said, what if I have, you know, somebody like a Strider um, who's a mage in this, you know, this eatery and there's my characters there. And then my character, you know, feels something in the back of his head and he, and, and, and uh, not quite sure what it is. And it finds out he has, you know, this, this ability, he's like inclined to be somebody who could, you know, use magic. And this is how that person discovers him and says, would you like, you know, there's an opportunity here for you uh, if you come to my school and learn, learn the uh, arcane arts. So that begins um, my character's journey. And so book one is all about him trying to find his way at the school. And then, you know, the affections of not quite first love, but somebody who uh, who uh, is of interest to him, and then uh, an arch rival who doesn't like him, doesn't want him to succeed, and then all the conflict that comes from that comes to a head in that book. So that's that's the you know some of the inspiration, and then the execution of the the, the book of where I wanted it to go. That begins Petra's journey. Uh, he learns magic, and then from there, uh, there's a prophecy that pulls them through the entire series uh, where the stakes get bigger and bigger. It's world of evil, good versus evil. And he's caught in the middle, unfortunately, but that's what makes for an interesting story. Yeah. And book one is amazing. As you were telling, I just kept thinking of things that happened in the book and it was bringing a smile to my face because it is so good. And you do, um, you, you reached out to all these things that have influenced you and, and made this new story. And it's, you know, not only is Petra, you know, a slave, um, but he, you know, everybody tells him he's, he's from the North, but he doesn't remember. So he, he kind of looks different too. So he's trying to figure out this, this world. So he has all this, you know, not only mental, but physical um, stuff that happens to him. So, you know, it's, it's just a great story. I encourage anybody to go pick this up, um, you know, get it from Amazon and local bookstore. Steve's website is probably the best, but um it's a, it's a fantastic story and I look forward to, to finishing the series. So, um, you know, that's, that's great how you've reached out to all these people that have influenced you, Token, Raymond E. Fies. Um, you know, even, even the arch rival kind of has, and I don't know if it, this inspired you or not, but, you know, cause plenty of books have arch rivals, but like a, a Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy kind of feel to it. Like, um, it's just fantastic. Now you, you said that this, series is complete plus your your science fiction i mean that's a lot of writing what are some of your writing habits so during the uh the time when i was committing myself to uh to writing the series you know i had already written you know years ago about 250,000 words in a duology that um had some modern elements in portal fantasy so the, the this story was the 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 part that was the portal world that I took away anything that was urban related and then I had this just be pure epic fantasy, uh, so I had some material to work with but I ended up uh, I have a prequel too uh, to to the to the book uh, to the series that's um, you know novel length so all in all it's about a million words and so I took some things that I repurposed into the story itself but the rest was basically fleshed out. So what I did was I first started, you know, with the idea of how do I create, you know, the nine books? Cause I had the ideas with the trilogy. How do I make nine, nine different, uh, nine different stories that have to have their own, their own resolution, but keep the bigger story going. So 
that involved some basic plotting. And I did it very simple. It was like bullet points, kind of knew where things had to end and where the next next book had to, to um, you know, pick up. So by doing that, having that big, bigger structure gave me, you know, some direction where I needed to go. And then I figured out, you know, certain things along the way. So there was mostly, there was a lot of plotting. There was a lot of discovery writing with just letting myself go and enjoy, you know, going up to uh, the Northern Kingdom where Patrick thought, you know, like you said, where he, he, he thought he's from, things like that. And so the, the process itself, the writing process uh, for me was where, uh, where do I find time in a day, you know, working full time, uh, I have my wife and we're empty nesters, but where do I find the right time in the day to balance life, work, and writing? So for me, I found that, you know, I'm a night owl. So nighttime is where I could have my creative spark. So after dinner between 9 p.m. and midnight, I would go over to the dining room table. I found a place that I dedicated to to writing I'd sit down and then start my process. So starting the process was, you know, you getting getting refamiliarized what I wrote the day before and where I want to go with the next scene of the chapter and then start writing. And it takes a while for me personally to ramp up and get into a uh, flow state. So, yeah, my wife had given me an article on flow state a while back, and I read it, and it's basically the idea of a distraction-free environment where you dedicate yourself. You don't have any social media. You don't have any other interruptions. You could just let yourself go. And then once you start typing, or if you're the person who likes to dictate their stories, just let yourself go. And I found that, you know, the first hour was – the ramp up time, the second hour I was getting into my flow state and the third hour I was really flowing along and then I had to stop. And so I set myself uh, targets, word counts. And I found that my sweet spot is if I could do 1500 words in a day, I would hit, you know, that sweet spot, that target. But I was also figuring, wow, I, I in the beginning, I needed to hit, you know, X number of words. I really had to try to, you know, aim for 2500. So I was doing that consistently, uh, not every day. Sometimes, you know, life just gets in the way. But then sometimes on the weekend, I can make up for that when I have, a, you know, time on a Saturday or Sunday. So, we're, you know, my consistency is where I was able to produce, you know, the novel after novel after novel. And I also looked at it that I didn't have a time constraint. I had a, a, a I wanted to accomplish this by the end of, I think, 2021 to finish. So I kept working towards a word count and finishing by then, but I didn't put pressure, pressure on myself because I didn't have any of these books released. I didn't do it where you publish book one and then you're publishing book two and you're like, Oh, I got to get these other books done. Right. I did this in a very different way. I don't necessarily recommend it, but writing all the, all the books in a series and then going back and publishing because uh, you're, you're, it's speculative. You don't know if book one is going to resonate with readers and then are they going to read the rest of the series in, uh, when you invest, the, you know, invest that time. But for me, this is a labor of love. This is a project that began as an idea in my 20s. And I really, really wanted to do it. 
And I also didn't want to do what some big authors had done, leave readers hanging where they, where's the ne- when's the next book coming out? You're like, when's the next book coming out? Right. So there's right. that pressure. No, I wanted the promise to my readers that I would have the complete series done. And then the other, the other thing that affords you to do too, is that you could have something pay off in a, in a later book that the seed is planted in the earlier book. And you don't know that you need that seed planted until you do, do the payoff. And then you say, well, if I put this seed over here, it's going to be nuanced. It's not going to be, it's going to be subtle. But when the reader gets to this part, they'll be, aha, that touchstone. That you can do when you don't have everything published. You can go back and make some edits and, and plant those things so you have those great payoffs later on. So that's that's my long-winded explanation of my process. But it's uh, you have to, consistency and persistence are, are the key uh, to to getting a big project like this done. No, that's great advice. And, you know, you're not the only author that does that. Um, I don't know. Uh, Michael J. Sullivan uh, writes, uh, or at least the series that I listened to read, like he wrote all the books first and it was a six book series. Um, and, you know, and I'm actually looking at in my writing process, if that's something I want to do as well. Um, you know, not only that, but it also helps. Um, you you kind of get better with each book so like when i get to the end and be like okay like my first book isn't quite up to snuff so i can make changes or re-edit that and, and whatnot but you know with nine books written that's that's a lot of editing i mean you already have your covers um how did you find your editor to to help you along with this so this is part of the networking i mentioned at superstars so i have a good friend mark stallings and i talked to Mar- mark about yeah i need to get a copy editor that was my my objective because when you indie publish, you know, one of the things that you want to do if you want to have a quality book is you want an editor. You, you have to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're traditionally published, guess what? You're getting an editor with your traditional publishing deal. So that's – you're basically doing the same thing, but you're paying for that out of pocket. But it's, a, it's an expense that's absolutely necessary to produce a quality product. And so uh, Mark – referred me to a gentleman named Jonathan Miller. Never met him in person, but we got to correspond online and we talked. And so so I we we agreed that uh, Jonathan would start work on on book one. And so uh, Jonathan then uh, did the work and I had I got to step back for a second and say that the the uh, the other part of the process you would want to do is get feedback. So you would want beta readers. Uh, if is to to give you feedback on on your story, so you write write a story, whether it's a short story or you know no, novel length, have some volunteers, some people that you could reach out to to read your book and give you feedback, and you make changes, and then uh, you go from there. And so by the time my editor got book one, I had had you know about ten beta readers with different types of feedback, and I. Change the uh, the the uh, the story elements uh, where they said you need to do this to do that and made sense to me. At that point, he took over, and then uh, he's such a he's such a giving person that copy editing is different than developmental editing. It's basically you know finding all the grammar issues and consistency issues and fixing those. But he said to me, he said, you know what? 
I'd like to make some suggestions over here that I think you could strengthen your story. And if you're willing to do that, I'm willing to put in the work for that. I told him, I said, absolutely. So he suggested uh, we refactor chapter one and do the prologue and then some other things in book one. And I believe that if you were to say, okay, how much better did it make the book? I'd say 30% better. I'd give it that number. Wow. It meant that much of a difference. So it was already readable. It was already enjoyable, but he helped fine tune some consistency and saying, well, Petra would necessarily, you know, say that in this particular scene, I don't think. Uh, and then he would say, well, he's sounding a little whiny over here. He's harping on the same thing he did earlier in the chapter. Now, my beta readers didn't find that, but he did. He has that keen eye. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? If I change those things, the reader is going to have a more enjoyable experience. They're not going to come up to a part and say, oh, he's whining again. Maybe they're not thinking it, but maybe in the back of their minds, it's, it's bugging them. So you eliminate that. You got a cleaner story. You got a more enjoyable story. You have more consistency. You have a better product. So I found him through a friend at Superstars. And he's now, uh, we're on book six, actually, because book four just came out. Book five, he already edited. I also have a proofreader that I hired to do the uh, the proofing, make sure there aren't any typos and things like that. And so uh, I take the first two chapters of the next book and put them at the end of the book that I'm publishing. So book five's first two chapters are at the end of book four. And so book five won't come out until book so book six is polished. And I'll put those first two chapters at the end. That's that's a technique that I've seen out there in the industry uh, that gives readers a chance to sample something next and it might get influence their, their buy decision. So it's strategic. So I have to just be patient. So we're on book six right now. So I've been working with him a while and I love everything he does. I mean, I can't highly recommend it enough to, if you have the right editor, whether you're traditionally published or you're indie published makes all the difference. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, networking, you know, most, at least, at least me like writing and, and loving fantasy and science fiction, most of us are kind of like introverts. So like if you can step out and, and meet new people um, you never know what kind of connections you'll make. Um, so well, what about your cover? Like you have fantastic covers as well Is the same guy that does the covers, the same person that does the maps i know you designed the um the continent and stuff like that but um they did a fantastic job um on that how'd you find your artists for the, for them yeah so i have two two artists that i involved in I, first of all i did the maps myself years ago i did a watercolor map and then i did use um macromedia flash in uh, adobe illustrator back in the day by hand painstakingly did these color maps you showed but me that knew, one. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're they're pretty nice. I have a big poster board in the corner uh, of the maps. Uh, so I, in fact, let me uh, let me grab it one okay. moment. All right. So maybe a little glare. Let's see if we can see here. So uh, yeah. So the world itself, you know, you can see it's it's quite expansive. And I did this all, you know, the illustration myself. In, in the programs that I mentioned. And so. That's fantastic. That, That's so cool. That was, yeah, that was painstaking. But I realized too, that for, you know, for print, that's all color. I want to have something that's black and white. I like the concept um, of, of engraved artwork. So I, um, 
I found, so I use Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. There's an independent pool of, of uh, resources there for, for people to do different projects. And so I wanted to, uh, first of all, <clears throat> have background chapters uh, with uh, artwork in them. And one different background chapter for each book. And I gave it a, gave it thought in terms of a theme. So I found somebody, his name is Sam, uh, and he does engraved artwork, you know, like the back of a dollar bill, that kind of like effect. And I said, wow, that'd be really, really neat to have, you know, a custom chapter background for each book. Each one has a theme. And then the, the ornamental scene breaks that have a little uh, mini version of that. So I, so I hired him. He did, he did 10 for me. So all nine books plus the prequel. And then we had all those themes. And I said to Sam, I said, what if I, would you, would you be able to do a map? Because your your illustrations are are really good. So we 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 did this um, special uh, project where I gave him the the map that you just saw in a digital format, and he produced the map that you showed up on screen in the engraved format. I was blown away. I said, "Wow, look at that detail! That is that is amazing." So he did a couple of different maps. One that was the terrain map that you saw we saw and then there was a one that was a territory map and then in book three there's a portal world so another fantasy world and that one's a um, a map that i did in a program called wonder draft which is great for building maps but i wanted it to have that same engraved effect so i hired him to do that as well so we have maps uh in the book and then the other thing that i thought to do and we'll get to the covers in a second was that every time i look at a map in a book and I'm squinching and I'm getting the, you know, you get binoculars out to like, you can't go like that in a, in a print book, right? You can't go, you know, do that. You have to like get, get something to, to be able to see the, uh, <laughs> to see the little cities and everything. So I decided I haven't seen this before. So I did zoomed in areas of the world so yeah. that reader can see, you know, close up right there. There's Turjame and Mirjame in the Northern Kingdom down there. And if you look at the map on the first page, it's tiny. You can't yeah. see those. So I have right. each of those major regions in there, Darkfirth and Empire of Corinne. You know, you get you get those and you can see the, you know, those those areas and they come to life uh by being able to to do that. And I think it's more enjoyable for the reader. So all the books have all those different uh zoomed in views plus the original maps to give the reader that kind of experience. And even on the e-reader, uh, you'll be able to see the zoomed in uh, map. So at least you can see huh, where, where these characters are at any point. And the series does take them to different parts of the world. Cause I do love quests and, and exploring, but in terms of the covers, I, my, so back when I was doing my eBooks for the uh, short fiction, that I was publishing. Uh, I had one artist that was doing sci-fi covers and the other one was doing fantasy covers. But it turns out the artist that was doing my sci-fi covers also does fantasy. And I really liked her work. Her name is Les. And I got her through Fiverr. And so I said, hey, I have this concept for a series. I want to have the same character in different poses, action poses. And I looked at all these, all these uh uh, images on the internet of people in like superheroes doing these 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 uh, poses, firing magic and all that. And I I I've created what they call a mood board, which is like a compilation of images and saying this is inspiring. You know what? Uh, it, it's a, to inspire 
the artist to look at that and say, how do I create book covers that, you know, uh, that show motion or show tension, you know, something like that, like by Brandon Sanderson with Mistborn and you have that, you know, character looks like it's going to, you know, jump on, on somebody, you know, that captures the eye. So we had, I worked uh, along, along with uh, my buddy, Wolf Moon. He's, he's an artist. So he had the eye to say, Hey, here's my cover art from, from Les. What do you think? And he said, well, you got to follow the eye and where the light goes and, and such. And we could, we should, we should have the focus of the eye end up over here. And so I give the feedback to my artist and she make the changes. So it was a great collaboration, but what she did is, uh, the 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 style that she's doing uh, with these covers it's called compositing. So in Photoshop, I learned enough Photoshop to to understand concepts. So uh, in Photoshop, you can take photographic images. So you have a model that's on royalty free graphic um, site like uh, Deposit Photos, and he's doing poses like this, like that, like this, all these different poses. And you say, okay, I want that person, and then different poses for you know, each cover. So she was taking this model and compositing a different, you know, someone who's wearing a cloak, someone who's wearing armor, and then different poses with magic and blending in all the lighting to create what looks like an actual um, homegrown illustration, when in fact, it's composited artwork, which is fantastic, because you don't get the uncanny valley effect with the eyes with some you know, some illustrations I've seen before and it's cost effective. It was cost effective for me because I had to say, wow, I have to do 10 book covers. I have to pay for 10 book covers. I've done all the interior illustration, artwork, editing, right? So as you know, if you're running, if you're an independent author, you have to think of it as a business and you don't want to have so much money laid out that you're never going to recoup your cost. Because I know I know some people who have beautiful custom oil artwork that was created a thousand dollars for a cover, and I said that's that's ten thousand dollars right there. Who you know? I don't know that any of these books are going to sell. Why would I spend so much money? So right. so less at Fiverr was really a cost effective, you know, middle ground, and I really enjoy working with her. And yeah, the covers came out great. So I'm I'm pleased with the final product. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I, I've really enjoyed them and you can see them all on your website. I'll, I'll show it again. If there's no glare or anything, um, let's go ahead and back it up a little bit. Yeah. They're just amazing. Like I wouldn't, I would never have guessed that that's a composite. Um, I, I would have thought that that was strictly like painted. So like it's, um, she's done a, a fantastic job. Um, yeah, she had a couple of more books. So, so yeah, so this one, this is uh this is book two. I know we got a little glare going on there, but yeah, it's the same character. And what I ne needed her to do is the eye level and all the books had to be identical. So when you're looking at thumbnails, you get consistency. So that was key. But you yeah. see you got the magic coming on. That's a that's a photograph that's converted to that art. And then in book one, you Miko, who's the uh, arch rival, he has his own origin story. This is the prequel, The Dark That Ignites, the full novel length book. That's him on the cover. I love this cover. Oh, wow. That's yeah, I saw that. And I was fire. like, oh, I need, I need to read that because it's the prequel. I need to figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So this one's free. Um, you can go to steepanazis.com slash subscribe. Get a copy of that. You can join my newsletter and get a get a free copy of this ebook. 
and that's the the it's standalone so you don't have to read the series to read this but the main character in this he's the hero of his own story but he's the uh the the, the arch rival in in book one so this is his tale that's awesome fantastic well steve i appreciate you getting on um this this hour has been fantastic do you have any final words of wisdom or any writing advice you want to give before we get off yes i would say that you know if you're looking at what i've done and if it's feeling like a daunting task you know don't feel that you have to do anything that you know of that scale just write um, for the pleasure of writing, that's the most important thing. Don't try to write to market because you know that romanticy or fantasy or you know romance or whatever is hot. Write what you feel passionate about. That's 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 a something that's important. And then for the sake of publishing, you just have to you have to be uh, persistent, right? So like uh, President Lincoln, this you could probably look at all the failures that he encountered before becoming president of the United States. Uh, you just have to be consistent and go on your own journey. I thought I was going to be traditionally published uh, USA Today bestselling author, uh, you know, something like that. And my journey's changed. Yes, I was traditionally published with some short stories, but, you know, I'm on my own path now and that works for me. So follow what works for you. Don't feel the pressure you have to produce. But if you want to you know, be successful long-term, you just need to be consistent and keep producing. And eventually, you know, you're going to have a full, you know, a body of work that you can look back and say, wow, I did all that. And, you know, maybe you published it yourself. Maybe you got it traditionally published, but, or maybe you just wrote for the pleasure of it and you just have that, that memory. And maybe you shared it with some friends and family. That's okay. So whatever path you need, whatever path you go on, just enjoy the journey. That's that's the most important thing. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Go ahead and tell people how they can get hold of you, social media. Um, remind them about that newsletter once again to get that free uh, story. Right. So, yeah. So, my last name is Tricky. Um, so, it's stevepontazis.com. So, Pontazis is P-A-N-T-A-Z-I-S. So, stevepontazis.com forward slash subscribe. And you can get the uh, ebook um, of this absolutely free and just sign up for my newsletter. I send out a monthly newsletter. It talks about my, my writing and things that I'm, I'm working on and going to be publishing. And then as ter in terms of social media, uh, I have uh, a presence on, I do have, I have a Facebook author page. It's uh, facebook.com slash SFF author. That's in science fiction and fantasy. And then um, I'm also on Instagram, CRM underscore Stevo. And then I've been doing uh, TikTok videos, mainly uh, some some character art that that inspired me um, and and things like that. So I put them in these videos with little music and 16 second clips. So you can find me there on TikTok also. Perfect, Steve. I learned a lot from you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.